We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 170. Our guest today has not only had some huge accomplishments as a rider, but she is also a force as an equestrian businesswoman. She is a Stanford grad, a West Coast junior rider, a North American Youth Championship silver medalist, and now she competes on her insta-famous horse butterfly at the FEI level. Many of you may know her as the co-founder of Pony App with Olympic rider Lucy Davis, but now she has moved on to another startup, Coro. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Lindsay Douglas. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Thanks for having me. I, we haven't talked in a little bit, but it's been so much fun working with you in the past. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. I feel like you have such a unique story of kind of how you got to where you are today and some of the projects you're working on and you're riding. And so I would love to kind of rewind and take it back to how you first kind of found yourself in the equestrian world. Yeah, definitely. So I don't come from a horsey family. My mom won in some like raffle ticket thing, some I think like charity event. She won a package of five riding lessons. And so there was a little barn called Portuguese Bend Riding Club about a mile away from my house in Southern California in Rancho Palos Verdes. And so she brought me to the barn. I sat on a pony and she basically had to like drag me out of the barn screaming. I never wanted to leave. And (laughs) unfortunately for for myself and for her and everyone who knows me, it's, it it has not been a phase and I've been just as obsessed. So yeah, I started, I started riding when I was super young at the local barns. And then by the time I was in seventh grade, I was catching a ride with a woman who would ra- would drive from my hometown to a barn a hour and 15 minutes away in Southern California, or sorry, in Orange County with Mickey Hayden and Lane Clark, who are two like phenomenal trainers in Southern California. And I rode with them up until I went to Stanford for college. Wow. That's awesome. And what are some highlights that kind of like stick out in your mind for um, you during your young years and your junior career of riding? Yeah. So I remember I was like super lucky to go to this like very fancy show barn when I was in in seventh grade. It was like so exciting to have that opportunity and be able to kind of like carpool with someone who was going um, out there. But I only had, uh, of course, like at that age, I only had one saddle. And so I would go and actually wrote about this. It was kind of like a funny anecdote in one of my college admissions essays. So I would, I would bring that saddle to the barn, but then every day after school, every other day after school, I would ride at the local barn, Rolling Hills Riding Club with Linda Cooper and, and would take my saddle on the school bus with me. And I would have to like shove it in my locker every day. And kids like <laughs> me because I was a weird horse girl who was yeah. driving, riding the school bus with her saddle every day. And then I would have to walk a mile and a half holding it to the barn as like kids in their cars with their parents would like honk and laugh at me, but it was well worth it to get to oh ride. Oh my every- gosh, that's wild. 
Yeah. So there was that. There were like obviously the very fun early pony years, jumping the smaller classes. And then by the time I was 15, I was getting to do a lot of the great Grand Prix out in, in California and then had the opportunity to ride at Young Riders for where Zone 10 in Kentucky, which was so much fun. We won the silver medal with some great riders. And it's so funny. I look at the the photo, our like year photo from that, that year. I think there was like 10 10 California riders between the A and B team. And I think like seven of them ended up going to Stanford. So it was insane, insane Stanford representation there. So yeah, some really, really great riders went out of Stanford. And then of course, that school started a business with Lucy Davis, who was on the, the young rider team with me that year. So it was like, it was very cool being able to like grow up there and then end up end up in Palo Alto for college. That's amazing. What did you do then with riding while you were in school? So my young rider, Mare, ended up getting hurt. I can't even remember. It's like, it feels like it's been so long ago now. She ended up getting hurt my senior year of high school, which was like kind of really perfect timing for me if it ever had to happen. I like kind of accomplished all the things I knew I was going to accomplish with her. Had a really great summer where I got to focus on kind of my freshman year of Stanford. And then freshman year was fantastic. I had my young rider, Mayor Pernot at the Red Barn. She was only tack walking. So in between classes, I would jump on my bike, go to the Stanford Red Barn, which was on campus, throw like a saddle pad on her, sometimes probably not even brush her and walk her around the Red Barn or in the ring. So it was like really fun way to continue riding, like have that outlet where I could go to the barn every day, but really get, I really just was able to focus on Stanford and and have every single kind of like experience there, especially in freshman year without feeling like I was giving riding up. Yeah, Um, totally. That seems like it's a good balance because for like so many of us, riding is like therapy and like, just like such a great outlet, especially when life is so chaotic and stressful. Yeah, it was great. My the guy who shared a wall with me freshman year, um, he was a golfer at Stanford, and I remember he had we, like there was the big like NCAA or some huge college tournament at Stanford's course in the spring, and much of the golf course like borders the barn, and so I wanted to go out and support him. So I like rode Perno bareback and kind of like followed a couple of holes. No, that's the golf on my horse. <laughs> Which was so amazing. So I could just like write a book about the crazy experiences I had at Stanford where, you know, just there weren't any like rules around horses. So by by the time I was a senior, I'm always people always make fun of me. I'm such a, a trailblazer on the trails. I like hate to ride in the ring. Yeah. Um, so by the time I was a senior, I had gotten very confident about how far away from the barn we would go on the weekends. And so I had my horse to the main quad and then I would walk her like on uh, Mayfield <laughs> Street, where all like Stop. the priorities were, and every we would like be hanging out on the the lawns of the frats, and like people would hold my horse and be drinking beer. It was like <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I really hope you have footage. Yes, I do have. I do have photos. Butterfly, my horse, who ended up doing like a lot of big five star grand prix on after Stanford, after we stopped going to frat parties together. Uh, <laughs> she was actually in the Alpha Phi sorority video. So it's like me That's without perfect. her and a tutu, like galloping up a field, like with my hair dyed pink. And she, like all the girls had like put glitter and like, like boas, like, like, oh uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> That's amazing. All around her. So it was so funny. Yeah. She was totally such, she's such a fun horse for, for stuff like that. So 
That's cool. And you said at the time, was is Butterfly who you were like still tack walking at this point? So, so that was my that was my young rider mare who we retired after freshman year. She was already like 15 or 16. And then yeah. I was I was pretty much fine with not riding during college. It's hard to to juggle them. And I think it was such a big part of my mom's life and her kind of social life. And she's very passionate about it, even though she doesn't ride herself. And so she very much wanted to since I was close and in California, so like kind of connected to the world. So she said, why don't we go to Europe? Why don't, and you get a, we look for a nice, a nice young horse that you can like have at Stanford and, and develop. And so we went to Europe at the beginning of my sophomore year and found my absolute horse of a lifetime butterfly when she was a young horse. And we pretty much just like hung out for at Stanford for three years. She was at the barn. I took a lot of like, there weren't really many like jumper trainers around. So I took mostly like dressage lesson from an amazing um, dressage trainer who is actually the coach of uh, Stanford's team called uh, named Rachel Williamson. So got a great kind of like foundation there at the barn, but didn't really like show too much. I kind of knew she had the ability. I know I had jumped like a couple like small California Grand Prix. And then when I graduated from Stanford and was working full-time on Pony Up, with Lucy, she saw us just like kind of casually going around the meter forties and not taking it too seriously. And she just kind of got angry at me one day and she was like, what are you, what are you doing? You, you, you should be jumping the big classes. And at this time I was in on the East coast where the class, the Grand Prix are enormous. And she was jumping all like the four and five star big, big classes after the Olympics. And I just didn't, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really like think that was in the cards for me. And so she just was like, you need to start taking this seriously. Both of you and Butterfly have all the ingredients to do this. I'll start helping you. And so it was insane. So she, I was just jumping like a meter 40 national amateur classes. And at the beginning of the year in like January and February, and she said, you're going to jump in the Hampton classic this at the end of August or yeah, at the end of August of this year, I was like, okay, yeah, I can, I can jump the highs out there and just know you're going to jump the Grand Prix and you're going to jump it clean. (laughs) And that was like, that was like someone telling me like right now that I was going to win like an Olympic gold. It was like, no, I don't, I can't like, that's, that's really, really, really big. I've seen the Grand Prix out here and there's no way I'm going to go clean. Like against you know that class it's massive Warren B. Madden like the most insane amazing riders and so we worked really really hard together and I think there's just like so much to be said about working with someone who like really believes in you and believes in your like ability and your horse's ability maybe even to a degree more than you do and, and dreams really big and so we were able to go in June. I was able to jump my first like real like FEI Grand Prix. So I did the four star Upperville. We were just planning on jumping the the Grand Prix, like just jumping the qualifier in the smaller meter 50 classes that week, but we jumped everything clean. And so when Sunday came, Lucy was like, you've jumped clean. You've been ribboned in every class. Like you have to jump. You have to jump the Grand Prix. No one who's jumping the qualifier is not jumping the Grand Prix. So I walked it. I remembered it was, I mean, it was meter 60. I'd never really yeah. walked the course before. Walked it and was like, are you sure Butterfly can jump this? These jumps are so big. It's <laughs> standing by the oxers. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you'll totally be fine. And we went in and just 
like I rubbed the first jump behind and I just like had a panic attack that I was going to have a rail. And then she just floated around the whole thing. Like it was a cross rail course, didn't even come close to rubbing a single jump in that. So that's, that's when I kind of was like, Whoa, Lucy, you're totally right. Like I guess the Hamptons is kind of the same thing. So maybe we can do it. And two months later we jumped, we got qualified for the the Grand Prix at the Hampton Classic. And I remember everyone told me as I was going around, like none of these announcers had ever seen me before or heard of me. And it was kind of carnage that year. It was like three quarters of the way through the Grand Prix and there was only like uh, one clean. And then I walked in right after McLean Ward and uh, Gigi, who ended up winning the class, he had a clean round. And so they, they spent the whole round, the announcer spent the whole round talking about McLean Ward's round didn't really have anything to say about me because they didn't know me. And then by the last jump, they were like, whoa, who is this girl? Did she, oh was that just gosh. a clean round? Nah. And so we jumped a clean round, which was like insane. I couldn't believe it. I was like totally sobbing. Wow. So it was so amazing. So it was, yeah, it was me and, and McLean Ward and Lucy Davis and Mario Delorier and Shane Shane Sweetnam. So I had no chance against pretty good company. (laughs) Yeah. I I had no chance against them in the jump off. I like went for it and had two down because of course I'd never jumped a jump, a course like that fast before, but fifth was like absolutely one of the best days. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. What did you, what was your kind of program structured like from the time that you were kind of bopping around in the meter 40s to then going clean in these Grand Prix classes? What, what kind of things were, were you working on with Lucy? Yeah. So what Lucy kind of always said to me and Butters was, was like, she was, Butters is a very, it was like, has always really been read, like, bred, like, sorry, ridden like a German horse. And I always kind of rode her like a California rider, which is like a California American rider where I just like really am like soft on her, like let her jump, don't mm-hmm. really like put too much pressure on her. And that she really, really loved that. And so if you've ever seen a video of butterflies, she's like the absolute flashiest horse on the planet, has like the craziest back end, just like un like unwraps herself and yeah. it's like jumps really flashy, but we would always have like one or two down. And so as soon as I got started working with Lucy, she was like, we need, we need structure. You need to ride like a German rider. You need to flat your horse. You need to put on dry and you need to just be like way more detail oriented than you are now. So we changed bits like a thousand times, always rode with draw reins and really just worked on strengthening both of us. So instead of her landing and me being out of the saddle, it was like land and sit. It was like using my seat before I used my hands, always sitting up, always having her come from her back end. And that was just really like the the missing piece and just like the structure and the straightness and everything that we just like, we didn't really need at the lower level. But as soon as, of course, it gets to be a certain height, there's no real room for error. So we spent a lot of time doing that. Butters jumped, like got in such good great shape. We were just, she was jumping with, it was, it was always like about the shape. And so at that point we would work, we would work really hard at home on all of that. And just like a lot of flat work. And I would bring her, which I've always done, bring her on the trails and really like work her really hard on the trails when we're out on a hack. 
And then by the time we came to the show, I basically just like rode like I always rode where it was like, let her be loose, let her fly, let her be free. But we had that kind of like foundation from home and that kind of combination just worked out so well. So we just jumped so many four and five star Grand Prix that summer and, and through the fall where it was just like, it was an absolute walk in the park. So it was just like a really like perfect system for, for me and Butters. Wow. That is, that's so special. Yeah. And Lucy's an absolute machine. She's like to work with as a trainer it was just like the most incredible incredible experience she just saw things like no other trainer has mentioned to me and it's one of those it was one of those partnerships where it wasn't kind of like a casual thing where she was like sure you want to jump the meter you want to jump the highs you want to jump this you want to do a seven you want to do an eight like whatever you want it was so much about like we are going to train and plan as if you were going to go to the olympics because that's like that's like the, the standards she holds herself to and the amazing structure she's like built built around her her program and her horses. It was really cool to kind of like see her do that for like a, a student for the first time and have that experience. And it really just like, it absolutely like paid off for me. And of course, not to the, the level it did for her, but it was just absolutely the coolest thing to get to experience that. Totally. That's so cool. And it must have just given you so much confidence that, you know, something that you maybe saw as not an option for you became like your reality and you put in, you put in the work and and the effort and you have this amazing horse and that probably just gave you so much confidence in other areas of your life that you were able to accomplish that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I I had a huge benefit in having a horse that like totally has the natural ability to jump meter 60 and beyond. So like that has to be mentioned. But I think what it's really like brought home with me is how important your who you train, who you choose to to train with is. Because I've I've definitely had trainers in my life where they kind of treat you like a client. They're here, they're there to like have you have a good time and kind of like let you make the plan. But when you really work with someone who like believes in you and, and wants for you, it's just the, at least the feeling for me, like you feel like you could can do anything. And so it's, it's so important who you work with and it can just make all the difference in the world. Totally. Yeah, exactly. When you graduated college, what was your plan as far as your career? Were you thinking you were going to end up like working within the equestrian industry? What was that kind of like for you? Yeah. So it was so funny. The other day I was like at my parents' house in California and I found this, I found this like thing I made as like a seven, seven-year-old or eight-year-old or whenever you can start writing, probably younger than that actually. But it, it said like what I wanted to be, what it asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I kid you not, I said it an equestrian businesswoman. No I remember way. I always, I would always say that to people and they would say, what does that mean? And I was like, I literally have no idea. What <laughs> it just sounds right. <laughs> it just sounds right. And so I have uh, fulfilled my lifelong dream of becoming an equestrian businesswoman. So it's kind of funny. So yeah, my plan after college was, well, kind of started at the beginning of senior year. I was in this really great engineering program at Stanford um, called product design. And our capstone co- course was to create like a physical product. And so a lot of my friends created like jewelry boxes, like bikes, like nutrition programs. It was all physical. And I felt like very strongly that I really wanted to do something in the equestrian space and create some type of software riders and horse owners to like manage all of their, like their equestrian lives basically. 
And so I had to like argue with the department for about three weeks as we were all coming up with our different kind of businesses and companies. And I said, I really want to do this, like this horse app, this pony app. And so finally I was just like, so adamant about it and we had to get everything submitted and I had no backup plan that they just let me do it. And you had to do it. It was basically a group project. And so I worked with these two guys in my major who didn't know a thing about horses um, and spent six months working on their two quarters working on that. And then as we were approaching our final quarter senior year, I ran into Lucy Davis at the barn at Stanford and started talking to her about it. And her eyes just immediately lit up and she was like, this is so cool. I want to hear more about this. Um, We should do this together. And Lucy's like, since I was like 14 years old, was my absolute like idol. She was like an absolute force on the West Coast and like a celebrity. And same same through Stanford. Like she is the most phenomenal rider, as we all know. And also obviously quite smart if she as well as she went to Stanford and was, but she was in uh, in civil, civil engineering. And so wow. she was like, let's get together. Um, let's get together this afternoon and go for a walk and talk about it. And so she was very persistent. We walked, we did a loop of the Stanford dish, which is like this little three mile loop right on campus. And kind of, I talked about the vision, talked about what I had developed over the last six months on the pro- on the app. And she was like, this is so cool. The horse people need this. We need to work on this. She wanted, she had like different kind of priority priorities and and what she wanted to develop for horse people as of course as a result of her different experiences and like personal needs but we started working together in for the next three months developing this app working with the program and kind of just doing like a blueprint for what this app would do and what it would accomplish and then we ended up both going to europe she was finishing her summer before rio training there. And so I went to Europe as well. And we worked really hard on, on the app and the rest is, is kind of history. So that's so cool. I love how it was like something that was, you know, like part of your like capstone and like school related, and then actually became a really cool reality and definitely seemed to get your feet wet with working as an equestrian businesswoman. So that's so cool. If you've been riding for a bit, chances are you have the blisters, saddle sores, and rubs on your feet and your heels to prove it. So Dreamers and Schemers has amazing boot socks that are not only super cute, but they have a lightly padded and moisture wicking footbed and flat seam toe to really protect those problem areas. But not only are Dreamers and Schemers socks a great way to express yourself in a subtle way, but they also have an amazing feature, and that is the black cuff at the top of the sock to prevent any pattern peekaboo in the ring. The super fun colors and amazing quality also extends to the other Dreamers and Schemers products, and those are the Main Jane leather belts and leather spur straps. They literally carry any color and texture leather you can possibly think of with amazing reversible belts, I love the Main Jane belts, and really heavy duty and fashionable spur straps. So to find out more information, head over to their website at dreamersandschemers.com, that's D-R-E-A-M-E-R-S, N-S-C-H-E-M-E-R-S.com. Thank you so much, dreamers and schemers. All right, let's head back to the episode. 
So talk a little bit about what you're doing now, because I think you have a little bit more of a recent change in career. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I I started doing a little bit of freelance work for this company called Free Rain, which is how we met. And so Free Rain was a direct-to-consumer equestrian clothing line, make riding pants, bodysuits, equestrian riding bags. And so I was helping out a friend, Andrea Vogel, who's a very successful, badass venture capitalist in in New York, she works at Lair Hippo. And so she was like very impressed with the, the growth and marketing I did at Pony App. She's like, you've got to help me launch this company with uh, my best friend, Dana Schwartz. And so I joined their team for about six months and helped them just kind of launch this, this brand. But it was definitely like, it was very niche. It was like English only for women. And it was like so exciting about what we, it was so exciting what we were able to accomplish in the kind of like, first six months. And I really was like, how cool would this be if it was a bigger brand, a bigger opportunity with like a massive kind of like appeal to the equestrian space. And so Andrea kept asking me about or telling me about this brand called Coro. She had heard of that had been pitching to her VC to raise a little bit of capital to get started. And she ended up connecting me to um, the CEO, Dave, who is just like the coolest guy ever. He talked to me on the phone for about an hour and I said, you know, I've just already done I've already done two horse startups. I I want to work in tech. I want to be in in New York. I, I need to take a little bit of a break from from the horse world, but I'm not not super interested. I only had to talk to him one more time. His kind of like enthusiasm and vision were so infectious and exciting that I was like, you know what, I'm I'm the perfect person for this role and like positioned so well to, to help this company succeed. This is like so many of my six strengths, so many things that I've already like learned and or like failed on and then learned how to do. I think I could really just have like a massive impact on this company and really help it grow to be such like another like real like household name in in the horse world in such an exciting way. And so after talking to a couple more people on on the team. I was I was convinced to join Coro as the head of growth, and have been there for just over a year now. And it's been such an awesome such an awesome experience working with with this team. And, and we've really have like accomplished so many so many great things in the last twelve months. And a very exciting couple of months are are coming up as well. For people who don't know a lot about Coro, can you explain a little bit about kind of like what Coro is and what sets Coro apart from maybe some other things out there? Yeah. So we call Coro the one source for all things horse. So we are a direct-to-consumer retailer. We have basically everything you need for your horse all in in one place. And so whether it's supplements, blankets, tack, barn supplies, stable supplies, you can buy that all on Coro. And it's just been so exciting to kind of just like build this and chip away at it every day. So we have like the, the lowest prices always We've built in all this technology that will allow us to always have the like pretty much always have the lowest price for our customers. They always know that this is the the best place to come. We have very, very fast shipping. Our customers like constantly are writing in every day and their reviews like this came faster than Amazon. I can't believe how quickly my Coro package arrived. So it's just a very like tech enabled direct to consumer retailers where you can basically do all of your your horse shopping. 
That's so cool. I mean, and I feel like a a struggle within the industry is that now with like more and more products coming out, it's just like, it gets really tough for horse owners to really kind of figure out what the best products are for their horse or like what is worth trying. So like, how do you decide which items you carry or, and, and like kind of how you help these horse owners find the best products for their horses? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that. So actually, before I even started at Coro, I talked to a couple of people on the team. And and one of the people um, I talked to was a girl named Jenny. And she was one of the first like pure like equestrian hires on the team. So like a lot of our our founding, uh, a couple of members of our founding team come from other startups and in other industries and other verticals. And so Jenny was of like, I think one of the first first people that came in and developed this program called Coro Top Rated. And after she explained what she had done with this program to me for 30 minutes, it was like definitely one of the big things that like sold me on, on Coro. So what we do is we every month pick a different uh, collection. So this month it was fly masks with ears. The month before it was antifungal shampoos. And then the month before it was like oil-based fly sprays. So we'll pick like four of our best-selling um, products or four of our favorite products from that collection and send them to top equestrian professionals around the country. And these are like the most diverse set of professionals you can imagine. So we've worked with like worlds with like metal winning uh, vaulters with some of the best barrel uh, racers in the world, oh, with cool. like carriage drivers, like just all across the board, so many different types of professionals will like test these products. And so it, it takes, we have to end up doing actually like six months in advance because we'll have them rate every product on like the durability of the bottle, like, like the smell, like the like efficacy of it. And so we get scorecards from all these judges that allow us to like rate these different, different products and recommend the best, the best ones to our customers. So it was exciting for me to hear about that because I can't, imagine too many companies that would like go to the effort of like spending like the time and energy doing something like that. It's just like, I don't know, at any other, any other equestrian website, I would, I would imagine going on, you would just see the yeah, shop by fly sprays and just, they would recommend like the best sellers are the ones they have the best margins on. But I thought it was like so exciting that the, the founding team at Coro decided that this was something that was important to them they like went to the work of introducing themselves to these so many different types of equestrian professionals to get to get their feedback and really kind of like put that knowledge and and all of that information and kind of like research into the hands of our hands of our customers. Do you do sponsored athletes with Coro? Yes, we do. Um, so we sponsor some incredible athletes, and that program is growing quickly. We do have a lot of hunter jumper riders, of course, just because that's something I'm I'm very involved in, and a couple other girls on our team are also hunter jumpers. But we've made a big effort to make it kind of like to sponsor people across the board. So we have a pair of dressage riders. We have have barrel racers, we have ropers, we have cowboy mounted shooters, which are wow. <laughs> very cool and a sport that we sponsor a lot and raining, polo. So we really have spent a lot of time meeting a lot of the, the best athletes in different in disciplines. And then what that means is we have them as a like, we have a direct line of contact with them to help them to help us develop our business. So we can go out to Karen Poli and say like, what are the best like boots? What new products have you started using in Europe that you could, that we should bring to the U.S.? Or we can go to pair dressage riders or vaulters and and just like 
be in constant communication with them about the experience shopping at Coro and how we can improve. And the exciting thing is, is, is we do sponsor them, but we find that they turned out they actually turn out to be some of our highest um, value customers. So so we do give them these sponsorships. But if you look at like our, our customers and how much they spend, like all of these these sponsored riders ended up becoming very, very loyal customers for for Coro for their businesses and their horses. So I think that's like a real testament to kind of our business and and all the things that we, that we offer. Totally. Do you find that there's like pros and cons to having such a wide range of disciplines that are represented through Coro? Um, I always wonder that too, because I feel like with the Equestrian Podcast, I'm, I'm similar to you where my background and the majority of my connections are in the hunter-jumper world, but I love hearing and learning from the other disciplines as well. But having so many disciplines also, I feel like has its challenges as well. So what would you say are kind of the, the um, benefits and the challenges of representing so many disciplines with Coro? Yeah. So we, on the marketing side, like we absolutely, we absolutely love it. We love the diversity of feedback and perspectives and different people that we get to interview and make videos about and, and talk to. The real challenge as, as a small, smaller startup is on the kind of like assortment and inventory side of it. So we do really truly intend to be one source for all things first. So I foresee Coro in the future. If you're if you're a show jumping rider, you'll be able to get a very specific type of jumping bit and martingale that's like a very like specialty kind of piece of tack on Coro. But I would also love to see like racehorses and polo players be able to get all of their their products from Coro. So we've really made a real effort to be as inclusive as possible in our assortment early on. And I think that'll continue to improve as as we grow. And so, yeah, I think, and I think we're all very used to, we've all been shopping. I mean, um, we're probably about the same age. We were probably shopping from like the Dover catalogs. Oh yeah. When we were kids, which was like the most fun thing ever. But a lot of these, a lot of these brands, it's it's a bit hard because one will be known for supplements, another will be known for English tack. And right. Western people don't shop at this English store and the other way around. So it's been a very like all equestrians can kind of speak to how fragmented this world can be. And that was a big thing that was like a big opportunity with Pony App as well, but just not so much on the e-commerce side. So it's really like good to have kind of that long-term vision and say that this is going to be um, kind of like the place to, to source everything you need. And we're definitely laying like a wonderful foundation for that now. And if you um, shop with Coro regularly, you can attest to the fact that we do onboard so many different new brands and products every month. So something we may not have this month, we list, we listen to our customers, we do constant surveys and feedback and and chat um, with people in our barn program to bring on new new products and and brands and and collections every month so that just we're just getting like more and more robust and much of that is a function of an output of these constant conversations we're having with our customers Totally. I feel like another fun addition to Coro is the inclusion of Cavalli Club, which I feel like is such a fun addition and such a big deal. And Cavalli Club is definitely one of the leading equestrian subscription boxes out there. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so we absolutely love Cavalli Club and love Carly, the founder. We acquired Cavalli Club this year and are so excited about so many different parts of the business. And so if you um, are a Cavalli Club customer 
or you've heard of the brand, you the first thing that comes to mind is the community. And Carly's just built such a phenomenal uh, community. And, and as someone who kind of went through a similar proce- process at, at Pony Up and, and built, like did a lot of that building, it's it's like very cool to, to see her personal kind of like her personal touch and, and what she's able to do with these group of, of primarily women. And so it's a, a quarterly subscription box and she just goes to the utmost, like looks at everything with so much detail. And so these subscription boxes are incredible. She um, works with small um, business owners, different creators, and does all these wonderful like designs on the outside that basically I want all of her box designs. It's like I know, literally, like, so cute. the boxes are like so fun. Whenever I get one in the mail, I'm like, I like want to keep the box. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, the boxes are amazing. So I just like I'm gonna like wallpaper my room in them. The designs are literally. So cool. So she just like spends so much time on curation and like talking to all these small creators and coming up with different like unique to Cavalli Club products that she includes in the subscription every month. And so that attention to detail is is really amazing and it's allowed her to create like a pretty substantial business, which has been exciting. So we're very excited about using like Quora's resources and our our reach as well to extend expand her business to more people in the US. And then of course, we acquired the company to acquire Carly. She's a phenomenal, phenomenal at sourcing products and, and curating. And so exciting to see like what types of special products that she brings onto Quora in the coming. She's really taking the lead with our kind of holiday planning. So encourage anyone to check out Quora during the the, the holiday months for all of your equestrian shopping. We're working on some very exciting things. And if you know Carly, you'll know it's, it's going to be top notch. And I feel like holiday is literally like tomorrow. <laughs> I feel like it's right around the corner. <laughs> I know people like us have to plan. Yeah. Yep, exactly. That's awesome. Well, in this first year, what have been some of your favorite memories at Coro? Yeah. So about a year ago, we launched a, there was a couple of like different programs that we put together that I've, I'm particularly fond of. So one that's one that's actually going ongoing now is a Compton Cowboys program that we've been working on for the last like two or so months with oh, Noel nice. Floyd. And so yeah, Noel Floyd, go check go check their videos out. They've been producing some like amazing videos, like almost like movies of the Compton Cowboys. And anyone who doesn't know that story, go Google, Google it right now. It's incredible. I started working with actually the kid version of the Compton Cowboys when I was in high school, the Compton Junior Posse. And Ray actually like sold, I did all, so much crazy fundraising for them and it was, it was a lot of fun. So having the opportunity to like do that through Coro now as an adult and support the kind of more matured version of it with the Compton Cowboys has been awesome. So basically what has happened is Noelle Floyd has put together all these videos and then Coro on kind of like the product side of things, we put together a kind of like wish list fundraising page for the Compton Cowboy. We work with their team to figure out like which products they could use most at the farm. And so that could be a uh, halter, different weight gain supplements, dewormers, buckets, lead ropes, you name it. Just all the basic essentials that that anyone need, any horse owner needs for their stables. So Coro went ahead and, and donated leather halters with nameplates to their organization. And now we're asking all Coro customers to come in in any way they can and and support that could be a $5 box of cookies, or it could be a $200 saddle pad and beyond. So we've sold a 
it's it's so cool every time we launch one of these to see how many Coro customers just come in and support and buy products for the Compton Cowboys. So we have some lofty goals for the program and hopefully we'll we'll finish it out strong and and get them everything they need to kind of like service the barn for the next like year or so. So that's that was a really exciting one. Of course, brought that to like the leadership team, investors and anyone involved in Coro and it was just yeses across the board like of course let's support this. So Lots of cool things that we can do, just like having the team here. And then we also had a very successful Halloween costume contest last October, which we're going to do again this year. That was so much fun. We had thousands of entries and amazing guest judges, Aless Jordan, Jennifer Jessica Springsteen. I'm forgetting some awesome highlights right now. But we had some like just amazing, amazing riders come in and be our guest judges and, and just Oh, Karen Poli and just judged costumes on like who's the scariest, who's the cutest, who's the funniest. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely like publish some of the winners again sometime soon in a blog post, but there were some like amazing costumes that came through. Oh, that's so cool. I'm so excited that you're doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> were you a judge? I think maybe you were a judge. I, th- I think, I don't know if I did the actual judging part, but I think I helped from afar. Okay. Yeah. I remember you were involved in some way, but yeah. it, was, it was so much fun. Tell me a little bit about an area of the equestrian industry that you're super passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about. So for this question, I would say that like we all as horse owners um, are very like similar types of people. We have this incredible bond with our animals and and are responsible for them in, in a way that a parent would be for their children. And so there's so much that goes into caring for a horse and, and giving them everything that they deserve and, and they need. And I think it's been very interesting. And this is something that we saw and was a challenge at Pony Up as well, is that for some reason, we get very siloed into our different different disciplines. And there's not so much overlap between show jumping and barrel racing and vaulting and all these different equestrian sports. But when it yeah. comes down to it, horse, horse care is, is universal and honestly, the supplements that you're giving a, a Kentucky Derby winner, I can't imagine is, is too different than the supplements that are, are going to the horse, some of the horses in, out in Tokyo in the Olympics last week. And so Coro is like really making a, a concerted effort to be like the place for all horse owners and not for, not for jumper riders, not for one sport over the other. And so that's been something um, that has been so kind of foundational to this business as we've developed it from the early days. And, and that means supporting riders of all walks of life, um, people of color and people from, from different backgrounds. And so we really just push ourselves to represent um, all d- at different elements and aspects of this sport and really celebrate that kind of relationship a rider or a horse owner has with their animal and give them the tools that they need, whether it's um, feedback from our Coro top rated judges on the best products to give your horses to educational articles and videos that we put together to just inform and educate um, in any way that we can. Because this is, in the end, a company that um, was founded by horse people and will continue to be run by um, equestrians. So I think that would probably be um, one of the one of the biggest ones for me. Yeah, at the moment. Definitely. And yeah, I think that there's definitely something to be said about that because even just thinking through like, oh man, like you offer so many different products for so many disciplines at Coro. And for uh, for a lot of us, sometimes it's like, 
oh, but like, I'm not in, I'm not like interested in like what you offer for like the Western discipline or dressage or whatever. And I think it's been like such a myth for so long that we kind of stay pigeonholed in our own discipline when in reality, a lot of it is um, that at the end of the day, like we're equestrians and we all are equestrians and we just love our horse and want to do what's best for our horses that all kind of at the end of the day require the same care and, and needs, um, you know, at the, at the basis of, you know, what they're doing. So I think that that's a really interesting thing to kind of open up for discussion that, and that not only are our different disciplines, you know, maybe needing to open their eyes to some other opportunities or, or things that other disciplines may offer or things that they can learn from. But even just from a business standpoint, I think that you guys are doing a really good job of being able to kind of open up that community a little bit more. Amazing. Well, what's your favorite, uh, what's your favorite product on Quora? Oh man, um, that is tough. And this this is going to be kind of a lame answer, but I feel like with your kind of like newer addition to having um, Coro gift cards is mm-hmm. so nice. And I feel like that's like such a good like. Oh, here I here I go. I'm really going to plug some like holiday gift ideas. But I have my holiday lookbook on the brain right now. But just thinking about how easy it would be to give. Coro gift cards to like my barn friends or trainers or, you know, other things like that so that they can, you know, literally pick exactly what they want from, from the website. I feel like that's so smart. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely because for me, I'm really lame and like to pick my own gifts for myself and (laughs) make a whole specific list of the things and never get surprised because I just pick it out anyway. Um, But I would say the addition of the Coro gift cards are amazing. But I've also just like dabbled in, I've like looked on your website and, and checked out the different disciplines and, you know, like other products that maybe I wouldn't use right away in Hunter Jumper land. And I feel like there are so many like universal things that even just like reading the reviews and how, you know, like how important it is to kind of look and see what other people are using. Um, I just love that you have that. I love that you have that addition of that aspect of the the top rated um, really helps people out. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's kind of a lame answer, but I honestly oh. am so pumped to get just like a buttload of gift cards to give to um, my barn friends and my client show trainers and uh, so that they can kind of pick out what they want from there. Amazing. Well, definitely keep your eye out over the next couple of months. We have a lot of very exciting um, products that you can only buy on Coro dropping in the next couple of weeks. So, I love that. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and you know tell us a little bit about your story. And I think that you have accomplished so many incredible things, not just um, with your riding, but also with what you've done within the industry and now with Coro. Um, it's so exciting to watch and I wish you all the best. Amazing. Thanks so much, Bethany. Hope to see you soon. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.